Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Why adfreeshows.com? It's simple. It's early and ad-free. Why wait for your favorite shows to drop when you can listen as soon as they stop recording? There's no need to wait. You can access it all before anyone else can. Plus, no ads. No one telling you what to bundle or how to keep that man part standing tall. None of that. It's just straight content from all your favorite hosts, including Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Kurt Angle, and the rest of the team. That's not all. You also get immediate access to watching their reactions live on video as well. So don't put it off any longer. Do it now. You won't be disappointed. Start enjoying all the podcasts you love early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. Hey, listen up. If you're in a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, what are you waiting for? Hurry to save with Conrad.com. We're routinely helping wrestling fans just like you all across the country save more money than they ever thought possible. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. But what's best about SaveWithConrad.com? It's the experience. Don't take my word for it. Check out all the five-star reviews over at ConradReviews.com. Michael up in Akron, Ohio, gave us five stars and said Jimmy and Jennifer were great to work with. They always responded right away whenever I had any questions. We got another five-star review from Robert in New Jersey. Another five-star review from Judith in North Carolina. What about a five-star from Nicholas in South Carolina? Or a five-star from Stephanie in Indiana? Or a five-star from Corey in Florida? We want to save you money. We want to show you how to keep more of your own money. And we're routinely helping podcast listeners just like you save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you can do it too right now at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. Well, he won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. He's a real athlete, so give him your respect. He's got intensity, integrity, intelligence too. Hey, this is Kurt Angle, and welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On today's episode, we'll be discussing when I left the WWE in 2006. It's one of the most difficult decisions I ever had to make. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How you doing today, Paul? Kurt, I'm doing great. Uh, obviously, a little bit of a different background if you're watching here on ad-free shows in Chicago, and uh, looking forward to seeing you here soon. But uh, Kurt, in the short time here at the Angle Show, between you and me and Conrad, there's been a lot covered throughout your WWE career. But as you mentioned, uh, 2006, it's quite the roller coaster. You start the year taking on John Cena on Raw in a first blood match as the main event of Raw, and you're gone by the end of the year. Going into 2006, did you ever expect your WWE career to end that year? No, I didn't. I actually was looking forward to the next several years. Uh, it started the, I started the year uh, you know, with a positive frame of mind. Everything was going well. Uh, by, by February, though, things started to unravel and uh that's when i broke my neck again and that's when the painkiller started again and um you know i was going through a horrible marriage uh there are there are a lot of things going on that i started acting erratically and uh it was, that was a pain he has to deal with to be honest with you hmm. well listen you know when you talk about breaking your neck and going through some of what you're dealing with it's not going to be easy for anybody uh to kind of handle that perfectly well, if you will. We're going to talk about that uh, today. You were with the company at this point on the main roster full-time for seven years. You've gone through, as you said, multiple neck surgeries and treatments, various injuries, and you've talked about the strain on your body. 
When this episode is over, I know that's going to be the theme, but I have to ask you, when you joined the WWF in 1998, did you ever imagine the physicality of making the switch from amateur to professional wrestling? I I didn't imagine it would be this brutal. I, I This is the hardest thing I ever had to do, transitioning from amateur wrestling to pro wrestling. Remember, amateur wrestling is one of the most injury-prone sports there is. I've been injured more in WWE and TNA than I ever was in my whole career of the amateur wrestling. Mm. It is a brutal form of sport. Um, it takes a lot of punishment on your body. Uh, it's the toughest thing I ever had to do. It's the real deal. You know, and it's, it makes me think too about those naysayers that say, oh, it's fake. That doesn't hurt. And you're living proof of it. Oh, yes, it does hurt. And uh, things <laughs> can happen and go wrong. And they do. Yeah, a lot of things do go wrong, and that's part of the sport. That's something you have to accept when you get into it. Well, you're switched to SmackDown in early 2006 after Batista's injury and win the world heavyweight title in a battle royal. How much of a last sudden change is this for you? Well, it was new. You know, I wasn't starting any story, or I didn't have any storyline coming into it. It was just a, a brand new, you know, world title that was handed to me because Batista got hurt. Um, you know, Vince McMahon asked a lot of other top guys on raw, if they would switch over to SmackDown and represent the company as champion. And everybody said, no, I was always a team player. I said yes immediately when Vince told me what he wanted me to do. So, um, you know, some of the guys just didn't want to switch from raw to SmackDown for whatever reason. I don't know. Wow. Which is incredible too, especially if you think about it, Hey, you may have the opportunity to be a world champion if you do make the switch. Right. If you make the switch, you're world champion. But, you know, a lot of these guys like Raw better than SmackDown. Mm, interesting. You've always wrestled at the highest level and you've never been known for taking matches off. Being world champion, though, it's an entirely different beast, is it not? Yeah, you have to be on every night. You're going to wrestle between 20 to 30 minutes, whether it's a house show, TV, pay-per-view. You're going to stay busy and you're carrying the company on your shoulders. So it's a big responsibility and you have to be ready for it. You said it right. It's carrying the, the company on your shoulders. And how much pressure do you take on in your mind? Not just your body, but your mind as world heavyweight champion. Well, there is a lot of pressure because you're expected to draw. You know, you're the one that's selling the tickets, the main one that's selling the tickets in uh, pay-per-view buys. So, you know, you know that in your mind. And you have other talent that's up there, upper-tier talent that also – um, you know, help uh, sell tickets. But, uh, you know, from a, a champion standpoint, that's your job. Right. You're the one who's got to attract attention. You're the one, like you said, sell tickets. You got to make sure, too, that you're elevating whoever that heel is to make sure that they look good enough to actually challenge you for the title. There's a lot to think about there. You're the man. Yeah, you're definitely the man. You're absolutely right. You finish your run on Raw by losing to Shawn Michaels, and uh, Davari interference backfires. What was it like working with Davari, and do you think he could have better been utilized? Oh, he could have been utilized so much more. The kid had natural heat. People naturally just hated him. Uh, he had great heat, and he was a great worker in the ring. We never really found that out. But I, I think that if WWE would have utilized him in a different way, he would have been a lot more successful. Absolutely agree with you there. From there, you're right on the road to Mexico and drawing houses that are right under 10000 each night. What's the money like on a Mexican trip? Well, drawing 10,000 fans, that's pretty impressive. Yes. Um, but uh, the money wasn't that great. Uh, you know, when you look at the value of money in, in Mexico, the pesos compared to the American dollar, you know, it's it's a huge difference. So, you know, when you're going to Mexico, that you're going to make good money, not great money. But, you know, it, it's it's doable. And you know that in your mind. Well, Kurt, your main event, Royal Rumble, in a one-on-one -on -one match with Mark Henry, and you defeat him. And afterwards, The Undertaker comes out and has lightning strike the ring, and it collapses. Are you excited to work a program with Taker? Oh, yeah. This was the first time Undertaker did his entrance since he was the American badass. And uh, they haven't come out, you know, to, to challenge me to a match for the next pay-per-view. It was awesome. It was orgasmic watching this entrance. And then, you know, the, the lightning bolts and everything and the ring collapsing was the coolest effect. 
you knew that you were getting ready to wrestle <laughs> Undertaker. And it was like, you're like a little kid in a candy store. You couldn't wait to do it. <laughs> if the entrance isn't crazy enough, then the ring collapses. What was that like being in a ring when it collapses? A little bit scary or not really? You knew it was coming. No, I knew it was coming, but it, you know, it, it was a really cool effect. I, when I say orgasmic, I was <laughs> orgasm. I was, I was so excited. It was so, such a cool event. It's such a cool uh, segment. It really was. You know, when I, as a fan, right, a lot of us listening to the show, just fans, uh, we've seen the Undertaker's entrance every time, a lot of times, especially WrestleMania, you get that cold bump moment, but I can imagine it's just got to be so much more elevated as the competitor of the guy he's staring down as he comes to you. Got to be an amazing feeling. Got to be a fun time for you, too. It was fun. And and Taker, you know, you know, when you're wrestling him, the shit is on because he can go. (laughs) Yeah. He's, He's been able to go until he retired. The, the guy's incredible. Well, Kurt, after Rumble, you're back on an international trip where you head to Japan and defeat Mark Henry with Ricky Steamboat as special guest referee. What was that experience like? Oh, it was great having Ricky Steamboat in the ring with us. You know, the special guest referee. I consider Ricky one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and I have a lot of respect for him. I always looked up to him. Uh, I actually studied his matches especially his match with Macho Man at WrestleMania. Uh, the guy was awesome, and, you know, he did a great job of refing our match. It was just really cool to have him in the ring with us. Nah, tremendous. Completely agree. Ricky Steamboat, probably one of the all-time best when it comes to in-ring performers, and it's very cool to hear you talk about that and how that you enjoyed his WrestleMania three match like so many of us have. Uh, so it's really cool to see that respect level there. But here we go. There's a lot of travel, Kurt, right? So we just talked about Mexico. Now you're off to Japan. Uh, how's your body holding up in the middle of February at this point? Well, I broke my neck against Mark Henry in that match at the pay-per-view. So um, I, I cracked four vertebrae in my neck, but the discs uh, were still intact. So there wasn't any problem with my discs. So my doctor said, hey, you can still wrestle, which was crazy. Mm. You know, you can't do that today. No way. <laughs> You're not going to get away with it. But he said, you could still wrestle. Just take it easy. Of course, I didn't take it easy. But um, I broke my neck and uh, with Mark Henry, and uh, I had to continue on from there. And um, uh, I was struggling. Do you remember this? Was it a specific move? Do you remember what happened in that match to cause your neck? To, to, oh, uh, I, I just had a lot of uh, sharp pains going down my, my spine, down okay. my arms, and uh, I knew something was wrong, so I went to my doctor. He had an, he gave me an x-ray, found out that I had four cracked vertebrae. Mm. That, that's the fifth time I broke my neck. I, uh, I had horrible luck with my neck. My goodness, Kurt. Unbelievable. So here you are, major injury again. Uh, with you switching to SmackDown, were you told your title ring was going to be short and you were going to be used as a Band-Aid? Or are you not given that information? Did you have any idea on the longevity of this? I wasn't given the information. I don't know if they knew what they wanted to do yet. Okay. I know that uh, right around this time, you know, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, Eddie passed away. Hmm. And um, I, I know that uh, they were starting to get ready to have plans uh, to have a remembrance for Eddie where Rey Mysterio won the world title. And um, so that that's the direction they went. They probably changed course. Uh, because of Eddie passing away. So um, I believe that's why they did that. So I was basically a transitional champion, which which I took a lot of pride in because I was my last five title runs. None of them were very long. Uh, I was there to make other talent. That was my job. Uh, my only t- long title reign was my first title reign, my rookie year, which lasted six months. But other than that, I was pretty much a transitional champion, which I didn't mind. I mean, I, I, what, what I was best at was making the upcoming younger talent. Well, that, and it shows the level of confidence they have you and your ability to want to keep putting the title on you to then work with that younger talent. So the fact that they see you as, hey, he's still the man. He's a main event player. We can count on him. He brings credence and credibility to the title. And yes, he's going to help get that young talent over. But when Kurt Angle has the title, nobody's going to question why he has the title, which I think is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting my getting a little caught up in there. But that's great, Kurt. You know, so you have the title here on SmackDown tapings. You're usually working twice back to back in the main event for TV and then the dark match after the show. Two matches a night are not helping you at this point at all. Are they, Kurt? 
No, it, it was really tough. But, you know, usually I would main event the, the SmackDown episode and, uh, you know, go 15 or 20 minutes. And then afterward, it was basically usually a tag match or a six-man tag. So you didn't have to put in too much work. But, the, you know, the, the less bumps I took, the better off I was. Unfortunately, I didn't know how to uh, back off. I didn't know how to not go anything but 120% all the time. That's the way I've always been and always continue to be so that, you know, I, I found myself in a little bit of turmoil because I kept uh, racking up injuries more and more because of my style of wrestling. Is there anyone, Kurt, uh, in the back, a confidant, a friend, someone that you're able to, you feel like you can kind of talk to about, you mentioned at the top of the show, you're dealing with all this other stuff at home life and 12. Is there anybody that you have in the locker room that you feel like you can kind of talk to about all this that's going on with you no i i didn't open up to any of my friends i wish i would ha have i think that uh, things would have been different for me i think that uh, i wouldn't have had the difficult year in 2006 if i would have spoke to somebody and communicated about my marital problems about my injuries about my painkiller problem but i but i kept it inside i, I didn't want anybody to know that, that was the you know the that's how i felt uh, I had what I had to do. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, I wish I would have reached out to somebody. Understand. Well, you do 30 minutes with Taker at No Way Out, which we covered in the archives you and Conrad did. So be sure to check it out. But man, Kurt, the ring, uh, the reason I bring up this time is on February 19th, which is No Way Out, you and Taker go 30. Then on a SmackDown taping on February 27th, you and Taker go another almost 30. I'm sure you're like, what the hell? If I if I can do whatever, I'm a machine. But Kurt, my goodness, you're put, you're going through the ringer here at this point. Yeah, I put myself through the ringer at the worst possible time, you know, especially with having uh, four cracked vertebrae in my neck, and my my body was giving away. I you know I had a lot of injuries in my career, but 2006 was a really brutal year for me. Then again, you're on another international tour, okay? We've talked Mexico. We've talked Japan. Uh, now you're going to Australia and then New Zealand. So these long plane rides can't be helping either. They can't be helping your body heal. Nobody wants to be cramped up on a plane dealing with all this. No, it's difficult. You're changing time zones. You're not getting much sleep. Uh, you know, you're not, be able to, you're not able to get comfortable. Um, it, it's really tough to travel all these different dates and so close together. We were, we were traveling international that year quite a bit. Every couple of weeks we were going somewhere and uh, it was, it was really brutal. It was a, it was a very difficult time in my life because uh, all that travel was just so much, so much wear and tear on my body and my mind. Well, wear and tear on your body, your mind, you mentioned you were having some marital problems. It can't help when you're out of the country half the time either. So lots going on here, Kurt. We're finally back to America. The final build to WrestleMania begins, which we've also uh, covered in the archives in the past. And you dropped the world heavyweight title to Rey Mysterio in a three-way with Randy Orton. Are you looking forward to hopefully some time off, a break? Are you scheduled to go on the usual European tour afterwards? What's that look like after this WrestleMania? Well, I, I still went on a European tour, so uh, you know, I didn't take a break. Um, didn't really um, didn't really need one at that particular time, even though I you know my neck was you know had four cracked vertebrae. Um, I was wrestling through that injury, and I was okay with that. But eventually, some things would happen down the road where. I got really badly injured and, hmm. and uh, I had to, had to make a decision. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Sure. <laughs> Understood. Well, from the observer here, Kurt, after losing the SmackDown title at WrestleMania in a three-way, he was constantly trying to push to get the title back. Are you going to Vince, John Laurinaitis, Brian Gerwitz and asking for the title? Is this true? Is this not true? What say you, according to this report from the observer? Well, I, you know what, Ray won the title and I was all for it. I thought it was awesome. I think that Ray uh, winning the title for the first time and representing Eddie Guerrero was an incredible uh, 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 moment. Sure. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I'm the best at making people. That's what I do. And I know Ray didn't really need that title for very long. And I thought that if I took the title and uh, had a program with somebody else to bring them up, that, that's what I wanted to do. 
it's not like I need more titles. I, <laughs> you know, I've won real titles in my life. Olympic gold medalist, uh, uh, world champion, 1995, two NCAA championships. I've won the real stuff. I don't really need the fake hardware. Not, it's you know, not fake. I understand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In pro wrestling and, and sure. sports entertainment. But I wanted to do what I did best, and that was bringing up younger talent and making them. All right, folks, let's run a timeout right now to talk about our friends at Chirp. Chirp is a brand dedicated to helping the world feel good so they can do more of the stuff they love. In other words, Chirp is all about feel good, do more. To do this, Chirp creates simple, innovative, and effective pain relief and prevention solutions. Chirp started with a revolutionary wheel for back pain, but they really are just getting started. I got to tell you, our experience with Chirp here at the Thompson household has been huge. Uh, Mrs. Thompson hurt her back several years ago, and now whenever she maybe overdoes it at the gym or comes home bragging about a PR, I know what's going to happen later that night. She's going to be in the floor rolling around with Chirp. Chirp is all about helping people feel good and do more, and this back pain is preventing millions of people from feeling their best. When they don't feel their best, they're limited at what they can do, and Chirp can fix that. With Chirp's patent-pending spinal canal and three different pressure options to choose from, Chirp will help your back feel better so you can be back to doing what you love in no time. The key features that make this product stand out are that there's three different pressure sizes, gentle, medium, and deep. Spinal canal to comfort your spine as our wheel gives your back a unique four-way stretch. Each wheel can hold up to 500 pounds, and they can be nested together for easy travel to take with you wherever you go. Visit GoChirp.com and enter the promo code ANGLE to save 10% off site-wide. That's GoChirp.com, and the promo code is ANGLE to save 10% off site-wide. That's GoChirp.com, and be sure to use the promo code ANGLE to save yourself some cash. Get 10% off at GoChirp.com with the promo code ANGLE. And you thought, hey, the best way to do that is if I have the credence of being the world champion, that rub, what they call in the business, is going to be what's best for them. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're exactly right. Okay. Well, does Randy Orton's suspension play any role in affecting the number of dates you're going to be working on uh, in the upcoming week? So the fact he's suspended, is that like, hey, Kurt, we need you even more here? Of course, Randy was one of the top talents. So him going out, you know, the, the, the upper tier guys, uh, it was getting kind of thin. So you don't, you, you're not going to have opportunities to take any time off or any dates. So as long as Randy was suspended, I was going to work full time. Well, Kurt, uh, as we talk through this, I think it's been easy so far for the listeners of the Kurt Angle Show to see how this kind of perfect storm all came together. Because guess what? Now you're off to Europe. You go to Italy. You go to England. And on a SmackDown taping in London, London, you and Rey Mysterio Jr. have a match that ends with Mark Henry interfering, and he splashes you through the announce table. Any memories of this? Yes, I actually uh, injured my ribs on that splash. Uh, Mark Henry's a big dude. My goodness. Splash you through a table and you hit the concrete floor. You know, with Mark Henry, 350 pounds on you, it's going to hurt. And I ended up injuring my ribs. So there we go. Let's add another injury to the list of this 2006 for Kurt Angle. You're off to Germany and then Ireland. But when you return to the States, it's announced you were injured for Mark Henry and unable to compete in the King of the Ring semifinals against Booker T. Were you finally getting some time off that you needed? Yes, yes. I got a couple weeks off, which was really cool. And um, I needed that at that particular time, especially not just my ribs, but a couple of weeks of my neck healing without any bumps really helped me, helped uh, mend it together a lot quicker. Hmm. Well, looking back at it uh, now, in retrospect, as we do armchair quarterback, it would have been better if they could have kept you off for even a little bit longer, I think, especially with all you were dealing with, especially when you talk about a neck injury. I mean, that's nothing to mess with. If anyone knows that, it's you. Uh, you would return at Judgment Day, which uh, has also been covered in the archives against Mark Henry. Coming off this show, do you know you're about to be drafted to ECW? No, but I found out uh, that the the next week, Vince McMahon, I think I told this story on the podcast before, he came to me and said, listen, I'm starting a new company, and uh, I want you to be the name and face of it, Hmm. but you're going to make less money and work in smaller arenas. I said, Vince, why the hell would I want to do that? Yeah. He said, listen. I'm Hell of a sales pitch. 
I'm going to take care of you on the pay-per-views. I'm going to make up for that money that okay. you lost in the house shows and TVs. And uh, I will take care of you on the pay-per-views. And he did. He fulfilled his promise. Good. Well, it happens. Uh, it's been covered again in the archives. Also, One Night Stand. Where is your head and body? You know, you're, now you're in it. You're in ECW. You, he's made the promises. Uh, but here you are. You're in One Night Stand. You're coming back off that little bit of a break. Where is your uh, head and body at this point? Are you motivated, feeling good, still sore? What, what are you feeling like at this point? Well, this is when my behavior became erratic. I didn't know if being in ECW was a promotion because I was going to be the name and face or if it was a demotion because Vince McMahon, you know, he had me, he had me on SmackDown, traded to Raw, back to SmackDown, over to ECW, almost like I thought he didn't know what he wanted to do with me. You know, like I was uh, someone that he didn't really need or, you know, or was, I was a utility guy that he was putting in in certain positions. And uh, it, it, it really confused me. It messed me up mentally. Um, I just felt like uh, I couldn't get any traction in one company. It was just all switching quickly. I went from SmackDown to Raw to SmackDown to ECW in about six months. Right. So it all happened so quickly. And, uh, you know, it, it was very confusing for me. We're going to talk about the big meeting that you had with Vince as, as we get to the end of this episode. But at this point, are you starting to think at all, hey, I just need to have a heart-to-heart with this guy? Or still no, just trucking along? Well, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about this at the meeting. but Okay. The meeting with Vince. But I, I started acting erratic. My okay. Really bad. It became hard to deal with. Um, I was uh, calling Vince and sending him text messages and sending him voicemails that weren't very nice. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a very difficult time for me. And, you know, I, I feel very badly about the way I, I behave because I was a real asshole to everybody. Um, I was very angry and, um, you know, it, there were just a lot of things going on, you know, with my marriage and, 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 uh, the injuries and the painkiller problem and, uh, you know, the company not knowing what they want to do with me and switching me back and forth. I was really confused. Sure. Oh, well, Vengeance 2006, Randy Orton returns. He beats you in the opener. Once again, from the Observer, Kurt, Angle wasn't scheduled on the Vengeance pay-per-view after beating Randy Orton on ECW television, but he had convinced Brian Gewertz to get him on the show, and he was scheduled to win the match. How, when he failed a drug test, ironically, not for painkillers, or he'd have been put in a rehab instead of suspended for 30 days, he had valid prescriptions for the drug he was popped for, and that failure was only because his prescription had run out, and Dr. David Black, who headed the drug program, flagged him for the violation. Did you convince Gewertz to put you on the show, and were you originally supposed to win before you got flagged and suspended? Yes, I was supposed to win. Uh, but I, I do want to tell you this. The reason I wanted to be on the show is because that's how I got paid. I didn't get paid for the house shows and TVs. For Fair enough. I got yeah. very little money. So Vince McMahon told me that he would pay me at the pay-per-views. He would take care of me. So I wanted to be on every single pay-per-view. So that's why I pushed, because I wanted to make my living. It makes sense. Uh, any comment or any extra f- f- uh, feedback here on the whole what went down with the uh, prescriptions? Do you remember all this happening and the painkillers and the violation, yet it was valid? You had valid prescriptions. Right. And the prescription was uh, a month overdue. So ah. um, it, it was, you know, Dr. Black, that's who uh, called me. He was a WWE doctor. He called me and like I told you, my behavior became erratic. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. This is where it started. Okay. He called me and um, he said, listen, you failed a drug test. I said, how did I fail the drug test? And he said, uh, now, um, I will go. Uh, I was taking painkillers, but I had a prescription for those. Okay. You to use them at that particular time if you had a prescription. So, although I was abusing them. But um, so Dr. Black told me that you got hit for this drug. And I said, I have a prescription. He said, it's overdue. So you're suspended. I told him to go F himself and I hung up on him. Okay. <laughs> and then man calls me and says, listen, you can't tell Dr. Black to F himself, call him back and apologize. And you're suspended for 30 days. So I called Dr. Black back and I apologized to him and I ended up being suspended for 30 days. And, um, it was, it was something that I had a prescription for, but 
I just allowed it to, to go past due. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing, waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. And they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop by that time it's too late. And the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. And if the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Yeah, that was, uh, well, listen, um, that's the erratic behavior. The go F yourself to the doctor. You know, if those looking for the example, there it is right there. It was just beginning. That's right. So you work with Rob Van Dam on an ECW taping uh, when he's WWE ECW champ, and you put him over in about 17 minutes. It's your last TV match for almost a month, and this is where you talk about where you just mentioned the suspension. The Observer says Angle got a stern warning from Vince McMahon, at which point everything started unraveling. And it was, was it Vince himself who said, Hey buddy, you're suspended. Yes. But you know, Dr. Black's the first one told me. Okay. And uh, Vince uh, told me that I was suspended and he just said, take the month off, go home and rest. You need it anyway. So, you know, just bide your time and sit at home and uh, take it easy. And that, that's what I did. Uh, but we, we were talking about um, something that, I wanted to tell you and I forgot. Oh, that's okay. I know we were talking about the Rob Van Dam uh, match. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. When you do get suspended, um, you know, they do have you wrestle a couple of times before you get. Before ah, the, okay. Before and and the reason is they, they want to make people. So I wrestled Randy at the pay-per-view and then Rob Van Dam at uh, the ECW taping. And I did jobs for both of them before I exited. So that's, that, right. that's one of the things you have to do when you get suspended is you have to kind of lose graciously and bow out. <laughs> you have to go out, uh, going down kind of, if you yes. will. <laughs> well, so you're home, you knew you had these conversations, these difficult conversations with both the doctor and Vince. It's 30 days, week one, week two, Kurt's still sitting there. Did you think at this point you were ever going to return to the company? And how did you feel being sent home? What, what's going through your mind? I knew I would return. I had something to prove. I wanted to get back there because I felt very bitter about the suspension and I, I knew I wanted to come back. Um, you know, the, the problem with me is I was never happy when I was home resting. I wanted to be on the road. When I was on the road working. I wanted to be home resting. Mm. Um, you know, like I said before, my behavior became so erratic and, uh, just out of line with everybody. And, uh, it, it was, it was the toughest time in my life. You know, I, I, it's hard for me to say this, but I was really close to death. I really was. And, uh, I knew this and I knew I was unraveling. I knew that something had to happen soon. Yeah. A wake up call or something to help snap you out of it. Well, do you think you'd be the one who would be ECW champion instead of big show? If you were still active when RVD was suspended? Maybe, but I know they were had, they had plans of giving me the world title, the ECW world title in the fall. I just didn't stick around long enough because I exited the company in August. That's right. Well, Kurt, just a week later, you, RVD, and Sabu are, uh, well, no, I'm sorry, you're not involved in the car ride, but RVD and Sabu are pulled over for speeding. They're arrested for marijuana possession. Does that change your suspension? Because now two of the biggest ECW stars are now being suspended. No, it just meant the company had to, you know, take it. <laughs> Figure it out. Punishment, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, my suspension stood for 30 days. It did not shorten, no. Are you in contact with anybody at the WWE during your time at home? Is anybody staying in touch with you? Or are you staying in touch with anybody yourself? Yeah, they were a bit concerned. So Johnny Laurinaitis would call me daily, give me updates, uh, ask me how I was feeling. Uh, the company was really they were really uh, on par with me. They, they really wanted to make sure that I was okay. Hmm. 
while you're at home, are you thinking about uh, other companies, UFC, TNA, or are you just completely focused on returning to the WWE? Like I said, I had something to prove. I wanted to get back there. I wanted to prove that, uh, you know, the, you know, even though I got suspended, uh, I just felt like uh, it was unjust because I did have a prescription, but I understand why they did it. Uh, you know, I, I allowed my prescription to run out, but I, I wanted to get back. I, I knew I wasn't looking at any other company at this particular time. Uh, maybe a little bit, a couple of a month or so down the road I was, but not this time. Not at this time. And they weren't reaching out to you at all during the suspension. Oh, no, my contract was ironclad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No tampering. Well, what were you doing at home during these 30 days? Do you remember this 30 day period period, Kurt, like vividly? What was going on during this time? I was just sitting at home, uh, just relaxing, trying okay. to rest. Uh, just wanted to get back to work. That's all. Yeah. I can imagine. It's suspected that your 30 day suspension being unpaid, you missed about eighty four thousand dollars in pay. Does that sound about right? That was my guarantee. Yeah. You know, I had a million dollar guarantee. You break that up by 12, it's 84,000. So the, the, the 30 day suspension was 84,000. But if you're my um, merchandise check was supposed to come in that month. So it comes in every three months and they took that for me too. Oh, it was supposed to come in on that month. So uh, that was another, probably a few hundred grand. So I, I lost out on almost $400,000. Uh, when, when I got suspended. That's that's exactly what I was going to ask. Do they 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 hate your merch and they do too? <laughs> wow. So it's a lot more than just eighty four thousand, like you said, almost four hundred thousand dollars. This is a this is a huge deal. This is a huge impact um, to you. So obviously, it's it's a rough time, not only with what you're dealing with, but now this. So it's just adding to all the all, all of what's going it on in your life. It. Yes, it was it was very stressful for me. Well, eventually you're back. You're on the road in Elmira, New York, beating Rob Van Dam. And in White Plains, New York, you lose to Rob Van Dam. But supposedly you suffer a groin injury. Can you tell us about that injury? Oh, it wasn't just a groin injury. I tore my groin muscle, tore it, tore my hamstring, uh, my left hamstring, my left groin muscle, and my lower left abdominal muscle. All of them tore. Mm. They, They bruised up. My whole crotch and my hamstring and leg was completely black in three hours. The, the blood rushed to it and the swelling was so uh, disgusting. It was just, I literally didn't know what to do. I, uh, you know, here I was, I just got finished with a match with RVD and I, I probably needed to go to the hospital and I didn't. And the thing is the next night I wrestled, uh, I believe Danny Doring, um, in a That's match, right. in a house show match. And um, I couldn't wrestle. And uh, the company wanted me to get in the ring, headbutt him and put him in an ankle lock just to show the, you know, show up for the fans because I was the top draw. And uh, so, so I had went ahead and did that. And uh, uh, that's when uh, everything went downhill. That's when everything spiraled right there. You mentioned it, Kurt, that next night, Salisbury, Maryland, you beat Danny Doring in five seconds that's your last match in WWE until 2017 when you team with the Shield at TLC. Walk us, you, you talked us about the match, right? It was quick, five seconds, headbutt. What, what's it like when you come back after that match? Do you remember anything? No, I, 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 I had my head down. I, I grabbed my stuff and walked out because I knew right there I made a decision. Mm-hmm. I wanted to leave the company. Uh, that was it. That was, that was my last draw. Uh, I knew that uh, my body couldn't handle what I was going through. I knew that the painkiller problem was just getting worse. Uh, you know, the marital problem, uh, you know, it wasn't getting any better. And uh, I was just in a really dark time in my life. And I knew that if I didn't get out of this environment, something really bad was going to happen. Yeah. The day after this match, you go to TV, you ask to meet Vince. Kurt, can you please walk us through in much detail as you can what happened at that meeting? Okay. When I went to TV the next day, I walked in the production meeting. Vince is up there up front with the, some of the writers. Uh, the, the producers were all leaving. And I walk in and I look at Vince and I pull my pants down to my knees. And I said, this is what happened last night. And my whole crotch is black. 
my hamstring, my front of my leg, my groin, my ab, my abdominal, uh, everything was black. He's like, oh, I guess you're not going to wrestle in the triple threat ladder match tonight. I said, no, Vince, we need to talk. He said, all right, let's go talk right now. I said, no, I need to come up to your headquarters this week. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll set it up. Not a problem. Hey, got a quick question for you. How old are you going to be when you pay your house off? If you listen to this show very much, you know, I'm obsessed with time. I'm also obsessed with age and how old people are. It's almost a meme at this point about how many times I've joked about how old AJ Styles is. But the reality is this, we can help you get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments and save with Conrad. And that might not be something you're thinking about right now, but check this testimonial out. It comes to us from Joseph in Houston, Texas. He says, I drive for work, so I have no time to be on the phone. The majority of communication came via text. No rush. I got back to Derek when I could on my time. You guys cut down my payoff date by eight years, even adding money to the loan and still making the payoff date eight years earlier. So what we're talking about is if you've got credit card debt, when's the best time to pay it off today? Savewithconrad.com can help, but more importantly, cutting eight years off of your loan. I want you to ask yourself this question. How old am I when I pay my house off? It's kind of weird that we don't know the answer to that right off the top of our head. We hear people all the time say things like, oh, I've got six car payments left. How many house payments do you have left, bro? How old are you going to be? And how old are your kids going to be? What we're talking about is paying your house off before your kids go to college. We're talking about paying your house off before you plan to retire. Nobody wants to retire and hope that they can still make a house payment. Retire your debt and then retire. Retire your debt and then help your kids with college tuition so they can avoid student loans. And if you've got student loans, you know you don't want to burden your kids with those. Let me help. Let me show you how to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments and the greatest tax deduction possible at SaveWithConrad.com. Now, as always, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. So find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states? What are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. So later on that week, I flew up to uh, Stanford, Connecticut to the headquarters. And I've never told this story publicly. This is the first time ever. Um, I went to Vince's office. I was with my manager, Dave. And in the office was Shane McMahon, Johnny Laurinaitis, and Vince McMahon. They were sitting at a table. I walk in, and Vince uh, tells us to sit down. We both sit down. And I look in front of me, and there are about seven pages of typed text messages and voicemails that I left Vince and people in the office. And I was like, what the hell are these? And I'm reading them, and I'm like, it says, Vince, I'm going to kick your ass when I see you. Vince, if you don't call me back, I'm going to beat the shit out of you all these threats. And I'm like, I don't remember doing this. And I remembered, oh my gosh, my painkillers. See, I never wrestled high. Not once did I ever wrestle high. I always took what I was supposed to. One painkiller every four to six hours. But when the show was over, that's when, you know, that's when the addict, Kurt Angle, came in and I would throw down 20, 25 pills mm. at the time. And then I wouldn't even know. I would black out. I wouldn't know what I was doing. And I was letting out my frustrations by texting Vince because Vince was distancing himself from me this particular time because my behavior was erratic. I was getting injured. I was, uh, you know, I was pushing to get the title. Um, you know, I was pushing to get on pay-per-views for the reason I wanted to get paid. Um, you know, there, there were a lot of things going on that Vince was like, okay, I need to back away from this guy for a little bit and, uh, you know, uh, focus more on John Cena which, which I completely understood. And, uh, at the time I didn't. So I'm, I'm reading the text messages and as I'm doing it, Vince says, you want to beat my ass? And he stands up and takes his jacket off. He goes, let's fight right now. And I'm like, holy shit. My boss, the man who I look up to as a father figure wants to beat my ass. And I look around the room and Shane is over halfway out of his seat. Cause if I get up, Shane's going to jump me now. Not that Vince needs it. Cause Vince is a badass. He really is. He didn't need Shane to, to, to get involved, but Shane being the son of Vince wanted to make sure his dad was okay. 
And I'm like, this is not going to turn out very well. And I don't want to fight Vince. I never did want to fight him. I was just angry. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the company. So I leave the room. I go outside. I start crying. I, I don't know what to do. The company wouldn't release me up until this point. They wanted to keep me. They just want me to go to rehab and take a break and come back. So I come back in and I knew I had to get out of this environment, at least for a little while. So I walked back in and I said to Vince, Vince, I can't do this anymore. I was crying. And I said, I'm getting emotional right now. Um, I said, if, if you don't release me, I think I'm going to kill myself. And I didn't mean I was going to commit suicide. I meant that I was going to accidentally kill myself. OD on painkillers, wrestle myself to death. I didn't know. And I had to get out. And uh, so Vince looks at me and says, you're released. He said, uh, you know what? Take a break. Go to rehab. Come back. We'll have, a, we'll have a contract waiting for you. Just take your time. And I appreciate it. I was very grateful. Thing is, I didn't talk to him for 11 years. And when I came back to WLB in 2017, the first thing he said to me was, Kurt, you were a real pain in the ass. And it was like, man, <laughs> I really was. I was so hard to deal with. And uh, I couldn't do anything but apologize to him 100 times because I, I knew I was wrong. And uh, so, you know, we made amends and, uh, you know, the rest is history. We never look back. And I, I have a great relationship with him now. But, you know, this is the first time I told that story, and it was really difficult to tell because I never told anybody about it before. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Kurt. So uh, had to be such an emotional time for you, dealing with so much in your life. But your story doesn't end there, and that's what I think is important for everyone to hear on this podcast today. Your story is about restoration because you thank the Lord, the good Lord above, you were able to figure it out, regardless of TNA and other things, we're talking about real life. You were able to get it under control, get the help that you needed at some point you did, and it's a story of restoration for where you are where you are now in life. It was. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, I had to redeem myself, and uh, I was able to do that. It took me a while. <laughs> sure. I didn't go to rehab until I believe 2013. Yeah. Uh, so it took me a good seven years. Some to, of us are more stubborn than others, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I I I, I uh, continued on with TNA and I had a great career with them, but I I made a lot of mistakes there too. And uh, Dixie Carter treated me really well. So uh, you know, I made a lot of flubs in my life, but I, I had a lot of success too. A lot of ups and downs. Uh, do I have any regrets? Yeah, I mean, I wish I would have never broke my neck and started on painkillers, but you know, there's nothing you can do. How do you change that. a broken neck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, did when you left, did you think I'm I'm never going back or anything like that at that point? I knew I would be back someday. I just didn't know when. I thought I'd only be gone a year or two, um, and uh, I just wanted to change a pace. Yeah. A different environment, a different life. And TNA offered me that. They offered me a part-time deal for a lot of money, a surmountable amount of money. And, uh, you know, I, I could work when I wanted to work. And uh, it was a lot easier uh, than the WWE schedule. So I knew I had to do that for a couple of years. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much. I stayed for 11 years. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for TNA at that particular time, that money I was getting ran out. Ah, right. <laughs> but but I did want to go back to WLB. I actually tried to go back a couple of years before 2017, and Vince wasn't ready to bring me back. He, he still, um, you know, I, I had some DUIs and some sure. things that I, where I kind of messed up my reputation. Yeah. I think he was waiting for that to pan out and, uh, and give it some time so that uh, people forgot about that. And, uh, and then eventually he did bring are you reaching out uh, directly to Vince at that point too, when you were trying to come back earlier? Or do you, are you working exclusively with reaching out to him or is there somebody else in WWE? You're, you're I always out. exclusively reached out to Vince. Okay. Uh, Vince and Triple H. Yeah. I've had a great relationship with both of them. Vince wouldn't answer my calls, <laughs> but wow. I don't blame him for that. I mean, yeah. he, you know, he offered me the world uh, when I took a break and I went to TNA. So yeah, I was going to say there's probably a little, little 
bitterness or hurt or something there hurt. because you he did. He was hurt. He was yeah. hurt because we had a really tight relationship. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, Kurt, thank you for sharing that story with us today. Uh, really appreciate that. Not easy. Uh, but we do also have some fan questions. Are you ready to jump into those? Let's get started. Okay. First is from Jeremy Priest, top guy at Jeremy underscore Priest. He says, how tough was it, was it or what was going through your mind when you made the decision to leave? We've already talked about some of this, but it's it was extremely tough, right? Yeah, it was hard. I, I, I never wanted to leave. I knew I had to for my own health, uh, for my own uh, uh, frame of mind, for my own peace. And uh, so I didn't have a choice. If, if I would have stayed, I honestly believe that I wouldn't be around right now. Yeah. Luke from Eastern Iowa at Sputnik underscore rising asks, and this is a little bit of a fun question. Before you were signed by TNA, did you ever consider any work outside of wrestling, like taking back the old sports anchor position or perhaps doing some more pizza outlet commercials to get your face back out there? No, I, I, I didn't want to go back to that. I, I, <laughs> I still wanted to wrestle. Sure. Uh, I wasn't done with uh, the wrestling bug. I absolutely love pro wrestling. I it's, it's my biggest passion more than the Olympics, more than amateur wrestling. I just had so much fun doing it. And it was such a huge challenge for me. It was as challenging as, as it was winning Olympic gold medal, especially when you want to be an upper tier talent and, and make a lot of great moments for the fans. I mean, that that's, uh, that's what it's all about. That's why you do. There you go. Andy's always right is up next at Andy Paul rules one. And he says, I remember a quote from Paul Heyman saying the WWE's release probably saved Kurt's life. Do you agree with this statement, Kurt? Yes. Paul was exactly right. Um, I really think that I wouldn't lasted that much longer if I didn't leave in 2006. Um, you know, I, I honestly believe that Vince felt that too. And, uh, you know, I, I was really surprised that they want, they didn't want to release me uh, when I asked for it. Uh, but I do understand that Vince felt I was his responsibility, his mess, and he wanted to clean his own mess up. And I, I really believe when you're part of the company like that and he cares about you as much as he did about me, he wanted to make sure I was okay. So he always had people on me, you know, and, and that's why he had me drug tested all the time. Sure. That's why Dr. Black hit me for the drug test. Uh, Vince was Vince was showing me that he cared about me. Wanted to make sure I stay clean. That '90s wrestling podcast. You can find him on social media at '90s Wrestling Pod. Says I've heard the road schedule was one of the factors leading to Kurt leaving, but was being put on ECW another factor in why he left, or was that completely irrelevant? Well, it had some factor. I mean, like I said before, I went from SmackDown to Raw to SmackDown to ECW. I felt like uh, they didn't know what they wanted to do with me or, or they didn't really care about me, uh, but, but I was wrong. Um, I think that Vince was just trying to, um, you know, fix the band-aids that were occurring in the company. Um, you know, when uh, Batista went down, he needed a top talent and he knew he could count on me because I never said no to Vince. Uh, ECW, when he started a company, a lot of other talent probably told him, I'm not ECW. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna leave Raw or SmackDown for ECW. I said yes. So yeah. you know, Vince always knew that I would say yes, and I think that's the reason why he did uh, pick me quite a bit. Hmm. Pro Wrestling Defined at Pro Defined says, "Was TNA already on your radar before you left WWE? And if so, did seeing some of the likes of Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, etc., there make his de decision to leave WWE easier?" Well, I, TNA was definitely on the radar. I started looking at them probably two weeks before uh, I left the company. Ah, uh -huh. okay. Um, started watching the programming. I, I watched it here and there in the past too. But uh, what what intrigued me was AJ and Joe, uh, and you know um, um, Sting. You know they they had some great talent there, and I knew if the company, if I if I made a, a decent deal with them, that I could work for them and. Uh, and be able to work the schedule that I wanted to work. And that, that was important to me. That's what I needed. So they were on the radar at the end before I quit. Uh, and I did reach out to them right after uh, I got released by them. Okay. 
Liam says, at EVZ underscore Liam, if TNA had never existed after you left the WWE, would the UFC have been the next step in your career, or did you have another career aspiration outside of pro wrestling? It would have definitely been UFC. I don't know how well, well I would have done because of my broken neck issues. Um, you know, knowing that I broke my neck five times, my upper body strength is horrendous. It's horrible. Uh, I have a lack of circulation going down my arms. I lost uh, four inches in both arms uh, from my uh, atrophy from my neck. Mm. And I don't know how well I would have done. Now, if I would have done it right after the Olympics, I would have been, I would have kicked ass. But, but I did go to UFC in 2006. I went to TNA. I signed a deal with them. And Dana White flew me into Vegas to meet with him. And I told him, listen, I'll do UFC, but I have to do TNA too. And he said, you can't do both. I can't have you do both. So I thought I was going to be able to go part-time in TNA and fight in UFC, uh -huh. which was completely crazy. I'd have to be out of my mind to do that. And Dana was right. There, there's just no way I could have done it, not, not be at my best. So, but he did offer me a contract, which was really cool. And, um, uh, I, 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 he, he, or I'm sorry, when I told him I signed with TNA, yeah. he said I couldn't do it. So the contract didn't stand. It didn't matter. He said, when you're done with TNA, call me. And I did. I I, I did uh, uh, a few years later when I was thinking about quitting TNA when the whole situation happened, a uh, bad situation where I wanted to get out of the company and uh, Dana offered me another deal. But I, I knew at that particular time, too, that I couldn't fight. There was just no way that my body was going to hold up. I was getting injured so much in pro wrestling and, uh, you know, the lack of upper body strength would have really affected my fighting. Sure. Ted, the hillbilly heel at hillbilly heel says after you had been in WWE for a bit, did you think you would ever leave or did you see yourself just transitioning to a backstage job? I never saw myself leaving when I started WWE. I knew I would have a nice long career there longer than I did, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, I was never planning on taking a backstage role, even though I did uh, when I retired. Um, I, I just thought that I would wrestle uh, for 20 years, 20 plus years, make enough money to retire on and not have to worry about anything. So, you know, I, I, you know, a lot, not a lot of the top tier guys, take producing jobs or take mm. jobs backstage. So some of them do. And, uh, I was one of them. Uh, but you know, for the most part, um, the, the best coaches, the best producers are usually the ones that didn't quite make it to the upper tier level. They seem to always be better coaches. Mm. Yeah, no, uh, I, you can see that in some of the names of the guys who are coaches now. It's, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not The Undertaker and Bret Hart and Sean, you know. Uh, now, Sean, he's getting involved a lot and has been involved a lot with NXT and helping develop. He's one of the exceptions. But he's one of the exceptions, absolutely. Uh, the third man, at Jay Bracken 23 uh, and, and I think we know the answer to these questions at this point, but I'm still going to ask it for him. Was it hard to leave WWE or at that point, do you know you had to, was it a matter of life and death? I knew I had to, I yeah. had to get out that particular time. I knew if I didn't, I wasn't going to live much longer. Uh, and, and I had, I had the backup plan. I knew that I would contact and reach out to TNA. I just didn't know what kind of deal they would give me. And fortunately they gave me the deal I wanted. There you go. Fernando Diaz uh, asked a question at FDiazZZ35. Is there one thing Kurt was going to miss when he left WOE, and what was it at the time? One thing you would really uh, miss? The fans, the WWE universe. Uh, they're, they're the most passionate fans in the world. And don't get me wrong, the TNA fans are great too, and there are a lot of uh, ones that go back and forth. But for the most part, the WWE fans are the best in the world. They really are. That's what I miss the most. I'm sure. Nothing like performing on a WrestleMania stage. 75,000 people. My goodness. Yes. Yeah. All right. Last question for this episode, Kurt, comes to us from Troy Almeida. And he says, hey, Kurt, do you ever think when you left WWE, you would try and recruit more WWE superstars to follow you over to TNA and try to make a stronger competition between WWE and TNA? I never did because I had too much respect for Vince, but me leaving was an example. 
and a lot of others followed. A lot of others followed. I mean, you look at the talent that came in after me, and it was unbelievable. You know, I'm talking like Mr. Anderson, uh, Kevin Nash, uh, you know, Scott Steiner, Scott Hall, uh, Hulk Hogan, um, Ric Flair. Yeah, that's a who's who list of wrestlers right there. There were a lot of upper tier guys that, that made it down the TNA after I after I got there. So I opened up a lot of doors for me. Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, and for a long time, uh, we've been looking for competition in wrestling again. We seem to have it now once again. There's now uh, talent headed other places. AEW is on the rise and lots going on there. I love it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, isn't it, Kurt? Absolutely is. It really is. And uh, AEW is doing a great job. Uh, I'm still a WWE fan, always will be. But you know, I'm always loyal to those guys. And it's because Vince never forgot about me. There you go. And that's got to mean a lot. Yeah, it does mean a lot. Well, Kurt, that is going to wrap up this episode and your story about leaving the WWE again. I really appreciate you being candid and open with your story. I know that uh, it was hard for you to share at moments, especially at that meeting. But again, I'm sure all the listeners appreciate it. Before we get out of here this week, though, it's important to talk about some fun things that are now going on in your life. And where the hell else would we start? With those wonderful chicken snacks. So tell tell, the, tell everyone where they can get those. Go to physicallyfit.com and get your chicken snacks. We also have Snack Smart uh, Organic Plant Protein. Uh, they're both very high in protein, low carbohydrates, low fat, very healthy for you, and taste incredible. All the flavors are awesome. We have Kung Po. We have uh, uh, sour cream and onion, sweet barbecue, sriracha, uh, buffalo uh, wing and blue swirl. cheese yeah, cinnamon swirl which is our biggest selling product nice so, okay well, everybody loves the cinnamon swirl so uh you got to try them out they're pretty incredible and i want to thank everybody for purchasing them who has been doing it i really appreciate uh you helping my business out there you go and you can get that 20 percent off uh, at using angle the angle pod right kurt is it angle pod for 20 percent off 20 yep. off doesn't All matter right. how big your order is either. There you go. Well, not only that, you have uh, the website there where they can get autographs, cameos, all that great stuff. And I want to make sure that Angle we point them to there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You can get uh, milk cartons, cowboy hats, birthday cards, uh, photographs, uh, cameo voice messages, T-shirts. I got them all. Got it all. They're very affordable. Uh, you know, and if you guys want me to sign anything that you guys have at home, send it to the address on the website and I will personalize it. Do write whatever you need me to write on it for a small donation and I will send it back. As long as you give me a prepaid posted states, uh, posted stamped envelope, that, yep. that's important. That's Don't forget that. Don't forget that. And let's not forget either about the newest piece of merchandise you can have and wear. Kurt, where are they? Do you have a, do you have a, oh, man, it's no big deal. Um, All right. But tell them about it. Yeah. I, I teamed up with Garrickson studio. If you follow me on social media, uh, at the real Kurt angle, uh, on, uh, Instagram or real Kurt angle on Twitter and Facebook, you'll see that I came out with these brand new custom made sneakers. They're from Garrickson studios. We made them together and they're awesome. They have you suck on them. They have it's real. It's damn real. They have the a symbol. They're very well detailed and they're very comfortable. And it's a limited time, right? They need to go out and get these shoes. This isn't, is this going to be around forever? Or is this a limited time oh, deal? It, it ends, uh, it ends, um, next week. So you're going to have to get on it, right? Get, get your ass on it. Okay. It's true. Oh, it's damn true. You need to go get those sneakers now. Well, Kurt, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun today. Uh, again, sharing your story. And uh, again, don't forget about adfreeshows.com. It's where you get this show early ad free as well as get to watch it on video. And uh, I tell you what, uh, this episode especially was, was moving and a really great story. And so for $9, it's the first tier you can sign up and be a part of it. Kurt joins us for some live Q&A from time to time as well. A part of Top Guy weekend. It was a fantastic time by the time this drops. He was there, did a show, uh, had a lot of great fun. So that's where you can get a little closer to Kurt and some of the other folks there. So join us over on adfreeshows.com. Kurt, 
That's going to do it this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to the Kurt Angle Show. Have a fantastic day. All right, folks, let's run a timeout right now to talk about our friends at Chirp. Chirp is a brand dedicated to helping the world feel good so they can do more of the stuff they love. In other words, Chirp is all about feel good, do more. To do this, Chirp creates simple, innovative, and effective pain relief and prevention solutions. Chirp started with a revolutionary wheel for back pain, but they really are just getting started. I got to tell you, our experience with Chirp here at the Thompson household has been huge. Uh, Mrs. Thompson hurt her back several years ago, and now whenever she maybe overdoes it at the gym or comes home bragging about a PR, I know what's going to happen later that night. She's going to be in the floor rolling around with Chirp. Chirp is all about helping people feel good and do more. And this back pain is preventing millions of people from feeling their best. When they don't feel their best, they're limited at what they can do, and Chirp can fix that. With Chirp's patent-pending spinal canal and three different pressure options to choose from, Chirp will help your back feel better so you can be back to doing what you love in no time. The key features that make this product stand out are that there's three different pressure sizes, gentle, medium, and deep. Spinal canal to comfort your spine as our wheel gives your back a unique four-way stretch. Each wheel can hold up to 500 pounds, and they can be nested together for easy travel to take with you wherever you go. Visit GoChirp.com and enter the promo code ANGLE to save 10% off site-wide. That's GoChirp.com, and the promo code is ANGLE to save 10% off site-wide. That's GoChirp.com, and be sure to use the promo code ANGLE to save yourself some cash. Get 10% off at GoChirp.com with the promo code ANGLE. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? (laughs) You pay me more. Jeff Smith teaches on the sliding scale. (laughs) Those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.